Hey guys, yeah, I know yesterday was the official anniversary, 30th anniversary of Sonic Satam, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, but I was tired from work, and you can tell I'm still tired from today as well. Uh, which is why I didn't do this sooner, because all I did was go onto my, go onto my bed here, uh, that you can see in the background. And basically, I just laid down. I was like, uh, you know, I was like, that's it, I'm done, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, well, I'm not doing anything for a while, because I was just, I was just done, I was just tired. Uh, but yeah, it's, but yeah, I wanted to just have, get this opportunity, or I just wanted to use this opportunity, I should say, to come on here and talk about Sonic Satayam. And of course, you guys know that, know that have followed me, uh, since my beginnings here on YouTube, even back to my first channel in 2006, and up to this one, and in, including my B.W. Rose's Discussions YouTube channel and Spotify podcast, if you will, audio, audio video podcast on places like Spotify, as well as, you know, my B.W. Rose's 98 channel and all that, uh, you guys know that I'm a huge fan. It's obvious. I mean, I've gone on record in it and, and have said that, and has shown, basically, that I bought not one, but two uh, copies of the original Shout Factory Sonic ZTM Complete Series set. One of them is still, as you have all seen, uh, wrapped up in its original plastic casing. And, you know, it's only going to be used if necessary, or it's going to be put on display. It's basically a collector's item. It's, you know, preserved as it originally was released. And now we're on the verge, if not already, coming close to it, you know, with N Circle releasing the series once again, but this time instead of on four, you're gonna have uh, two, you know, just two discs. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe, like I said, like I've mentioned before when I talked about it, maybe a higher quality disc, like dual layer DVD disc, that will allow for that kind of um, that kind of transfer, you know, for that kind of transfer and everything, and still make stuff look good. Um, but, you know, outside of that, like I said, you know, I've been a fan for a long time. You know, I've been a fan for a long time. And, I, and, as, and, and as I've mentioned on many occasions, when it comes to talking about Sonic Satya, my history with it, you know, that, you know, most of, most of what I say is true. You know, like when I first started watching the series, me and my family were living in Oskaloosa, Kansas in 1993. Uh, long story short, originally we were supposed to be living in Topeka, Kansas, but the house my dad had bought or was going to get for us, you know, uh, basically still had some issues that need to be worked out. Certain things need to be fixed. And, it, you know, the the outside and the inside of the house was decent and everything, especially like with the rooms. I mean, my second oldest sister was basically kind of laughing, uh, kind of laughing, uh, kind of like, you know, I, I guess you could say laughing in a way like, "Ooh, I get, I get this more, I get this uh, uh, more, I get this before before Brian and my and, my, and our older sister would," because basically her room had cable or was pretty much fit for cable. Um, but what happened is that the the house uh, it had a feel to it, like it was like like basically. Long story short, there was a hallway, dark and everything, and then the area where obviously it had been the dining room and all that 
had ba basically, I think my mom once put it, put it as a funeral parlor like uh, setting. She just didn't feel good about it. She just didn't feel good about it. Even though she would probably bless the house and everything like she does all the new houses that my family's, my my uh, sisters, my, my nephews, my nieces, and all of them move into. She'll bless all the houses and everything. Because uh, that's what my grandma, my late grandma would do um, as well. Uh, but anyway, anyway, just she, did, she just didn't have a good feel, a feeling about it. And also the fact that my dad, uh, he paid the contractors, or who who he thought were good contractors, honest contractors, but they weren't. They ended up ripping him off, and they stopped working as soon as he paid them. What he should have done was basically wait till they were done before he paid them. That was pretty much it. That was pretty much what ha that's pretty much what happened. So that led us to basically have to move back to the house that we were originally going to move into a year prior uh, in Oskaloosa, Kansas. This house at that time was over 100 years old and ever since then has been remodeled and pretty much uh, refurbished and everything to look pretty much up to date. Like it's a house, like you know it's a classic house, it's a house of the past, but it's more, uh, it's more suited for, for living in than it ever has been. We'll put it that way. We'll put it that way. But... Anyway, to get back on topic, it was during that second stint in Oskaloosa, Kansas, that, you know, um, I heard about Sonic Sat AM coming out. I mean, I had read the comics, believe it or not. I was reading the comics um, at that time and everything. I, I was reading the comics, and I and I, uh, I think I saw an advertisement in there or something. I, I read the comics, you know, early in that, early that year before moving you know moving out so i kind of had an idea basically i had an idea now i know i've mentioned while well, i did now i know you're probably thinking well brian haven't you mentioned that you don't read the comics you know until after you know i've thought about it and yeah that is true i didn't really mostly get into the comics till after the show but i do remember looking at them at times and reading reading them and seeing these characters and thinking well who's this who's that and then it was the show itself that kind of basically introduced me uh, to them. And I remember how the show was. The show was, or the, uh, not how the show, well, I'll get into that in a moment. Uh, as you can tell, I'm still tired and everything. I just woke up with like a little brief nap. Uh, but uh, getting back on topic here, getting back on topic, uh, basically, I remember, you know, it was, in, it was September. It was a month before. This is the truth. This was a month before uh, me and my family, mostly because my, of my mom, moved back to California to live with my grandparents. But it was a month before. It was a month before. And I remember ABC had its, you know, yearly Saturday morning preview on TGIF. Just like all the channels did at that time. CBS, Fox, I think it was just getting into it. And I think even NBC for one last run last time or something like that. But most, but the one we would watch the most, and anybody would watch the most, was ABC. So ABC had theirs, and I think it was the one hosted by Hanging with Mr. Cooper, the Hanging with Mr. Cooper cast. And I remember the, I remember they highlighted the big highlight was Sonic Satya, and they showed I think what was it about five, five six minutes, of the first episode, and they said, hey, if you want to watch the rest. You gotta watch tomorrow morning. 
on the next day. And that's what I did. But here's what was interesting. We were watching it two, in two, on two different televisions. I was watching it upstairs on a, a, a on television, black and white. Yes, I had a black and white because that's all I'd be able, that's all I could have up there. And, you know, all, that's all we had as a spare TV. And the colors it was downstairs. And I remember watching it and everything. And, you know, even asking my family if they saw it, saw it and what they thought. And they're like, yeah, we saw it and everything. And they even made fun of Sonic's voice until I think they found out who was voicing him. And it's like, oh, well, that <laughs> that makes sense. Anyway, anyway, I remember I do remember watching that, that first episode fully uh, the following day. And the episode that they previewed and showed fully the following day was Supersonic. That was the first episode. Now, I know to some, they might say, well, wasn't Heads or Tails the pilot? Heads or Tails was the pilot, but what was interesting is, you know, you could go and ask anybody out there, and they'll pretty much tell you the same thing. Heads or Tails may have been the pilot, but it was the last episode shown. It was. And I remember watching it, you know, we went back to live with my grandparents. We all were living in, we were all sharing one room, even though my sister had, you know, just had her daughter, daughter and, uh, uh, not, not just had, but even though my sister, my oldest sister had her, had her daughter with her, which, who was one years old at that time, uh, even though she was one years old, uh, basically we all shared the same room. We all shared the same room, and I, again, I think she, I think she did share it with us um, as well. Unless they did give her the spare room, I, I can't really remember. I think I don't know if they, they did or not. I, I can't I can't remember, but I know that me and my mom, my second oldest sister, and on occasion and most of the time my older sister were all in one room, and the TV was on this end. It was like here we were in the middle, the bed was in the middle, here I was on this end, and. I think I was sleeping on the on a sleeping bag or something like that or, or something. I can't remember. But uh, and then here was the TV on the other end. So I got to watch Sonic Saturday AM as best I could at times. And I primarily primarily remember watching because I was reading the comics officially. I was really getting into the comics officially at that time. I remember watching the you know the 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 final episode of season one. And I saw it how it began, and I saw how the swap box character, the swap box looked. You know, I saw how the animation style was just a little bit more different. And then, of course, I saw how Sally looked, Bunny looked, Antoine looked, and I'm thinking, this is the comic book come to animation life. What's going on here? And I didn't know at the time until later on, you know, like a lot of people pretty much figured out, that was the pilot. That was initially the pilot that would air first. It was supposed to air first and not last. But, yeah, I ended up watching it and everything. And it wouldn't be until, believe it or not, it wouldn't be until I was moved, I was sent back out to live with my dad uh, in Kansas, in Oskaloosa, Kansas, due to personal reasons, uh, if you will, out, in Cal out here in California. It wasn't until I was sent you know, out there to live with my dad in Oskaloosa, Kansas, who had gotten cable finally, he got cable installed and all that, that I was finally able to catch up on all the episodes, you know, that I tried to watch and I would watch on occasions, but not successfully. 
So I was able to catch up on all the episodes, even record some of the episodes on Variety VHSs, which I don't have anymore, along with other Saturday morning cartoons. Um, and then I took a page out of my, um, my cousin's playbook, who's the same age as my second old sister, because what he would do is he would always record, he would use, you know, separate VHSs, VHS tapes for one series. And if that series went on for seasons, it would be for that one series and for that season. And then he would just continue on and on. So I took a page out of this playbook and said, okay, I'm going to dedicate one VHS to, some, uh, to season two. And even though I missed out on, uh, miss, even though I missed out on Game Guy, because I think I slept in, but I did watch the rest of it, I recorded a majority of season two. I recorded Sonic Conversion. I recorded No Brainer, both Blasted Past 1 and 2. I recorded, um, believe it or not, the Ant the Antoine short. You know, Ghost Busted and Fed Up with Antoine. I think I recorded that. And then I recorded The Void. I recorded, the, I recorded Dulcie after that, I should say, and I recorded The Void. Those are the ones I recorded. And I was on the verge of getting ready to record the final four episodes when the VCR that my dad and I got from a pawn shop finally conked out. Yeah, it conked out. It's like it could play movies, but it conked out. And we didn't get another one after that, unfortunately. You know, hey, it was my dad's money. He had the decision. Not, you know, he had the final say, not me. So, you know, so couldn't, you know, so I couldn't uh, finish recording them. Or anything. So it's, it's the recording, basically the recording laser, I guess you'd call it, burnt out or something. So I, but I did watch the final episodes, you know, despite that, I did. And I enjoyed them. I really did. And I do remember watching them in replay. And I do remember watching up to about February 1995, uh, where after they showed Spy Hog, and then I think following week they did show Doomsday, that was it. Sonic AM was taken off. There was no season one replay. There was no season two. It was just gone. I'm thinking, okay, maybe they'll hold it off until the following season, right? That didn't happen. Excuse me. The final season didn't happen. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I had to wait a while before I'd actually get anything con concrete, if you will. I had to wait later on until I'd finally get anything concrete, you know, Sonic-wise. And that wouldn't be until 1996. Me and my dad decided we were going to go out for Christmas, you know, to be with our family. And my family was living in Livermore at the time. Long story short, I was sleeping in the living room because, you know, small townhouse, you know, not much place you could sleep in. So I slept in the living room and I remember watching one day, you know, on USA, Sonic. I, I saw Sonic on there. And little did I know that this was basically part of a new deal that USA and Deke Entertainment had uh, come up with to air... Sonic and other shows, new and old, that have been, you know, uh, basically refused by other networks or basically 
were taken off the air, but still there was some kind of, you know, viewability to them. Anyway, uh, basically I remember watching, I was thinking, oh, it's, it's Sonic, and it's Christmas, and I remember seeing Sally in there, and I saw Pink Sally, and I couldn't remember specifically whether or not, you know, at the time, you know, wh- am I seeing classic Pink Sally, or what's going on here? So I remember watching it later on, many years later, when it got replayed, I think, in syndication or something. And I saw her, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is Sally, Satyam designed Sally that we know of, minus the vest. But she has a pink fur and red, head co- red hair coloring. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool to, to see and everything. Um, but anyway, after that, it wouldn't be until like a year or two later, and, and I've mentioned this before as well, to where I would go and be part of this vocational summer program for two weeks or so, kind of give me an idea of what it would be like to live on my own or live in a dormitorium, you know, if I went to school, you know, after high school, like go to Washburn University or Highland Community College or something. And I remember I was watching television you know, just flipping the channels, and I saw the advertisement for USA's Cartoon Action Extreme Team, or something like that. I think that's what they call it, Action Extreme Team, or Extreme Action Team, or whatever it was. And I remember after they did the bumper, you know, all of a sudden, I think it was like 7 o'clock came around, 6.30, no, it was 6.30 in the morning came around, and all of a sudden I hear the blue streak speed by, and I see the intro, and I'm thinking, this is Saturday a.m. And that's when I found out that, again, going back to what I said earlier, USA had made a deal with Deke Entertainment to air Sonic and some other stuff that, you know, they had a hand in on the U- on the new Action Extreme Team animation block, which was taking, which was basically taking the uh, place of USA's classic con- Cartoon Express block. And I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool and everything. And it ran as a part of that for, I think, a couple of years. The only downside from it, and I, did, and I didn't notice this at first, but then when I watched some of the episodes people did record off of USA doing, you know, doing Satyam's run on it, um, one of the things I did notice when I would watch those rips, if you will, from the original recordings people would do of the USA you know, airing of the show, and a lot of people brought this up was the fact that the episodes got butchered. They got butchered massively due to time restraints. And you can definitely see that. Like if you watch Doomsday, like if you watch the Doomsday Project, the season two finale, you know, as it is, as it was originally first aired, you'd be like, okay, there's nothing missing. It's fully complete, right? You get everything. You get every scene, every moment and all that. You watch that, but if you watch that very same episode, but if you would have, I should say, watched that very same episode when it was aired on USA, then you would definitely see some things were cut out, like, what's going on here? Why is this giving to this? Why is this giving to that? And that's what made people unhappy with USA having uh, Sonic Saturday AM on its block. Like, yeah, it was great. The show was getting another chance at life, but all of a sudden, now it's, you know, being butchered to death because of, what, time restraints? It, it really didn't sit well with people. Anyway, years later, of course, Lionsgate, through, you know, with the help of Trimark Home Video, would release, 
you know, a couple of episodes of season one uh, on DVD, uh, including, you know, initially it was like, I think, what, Supersonic, Ultrasonic, Sonic Racer, and Hooked on Sonics. But they also had a bonus one, which was Sonic and the Secret Scrolls, if you would have finished a trivia game. So that was basically like five episodes. And I bought it the moment it came out. I, I bought it the moment it came out. And I think I bought copies for others, you know, that helped me out a little bit, like, you know, with, you know, requests, commissions or something. And uh, no sooner, I'll be honest with you, no sooner did that come out, oh, then all of a sudden, I think about a couple months later, it was taken off the shelves. And that was because basically, Lion Gates and uh, Trimark did not have Benio Vista's, Vista's permission. Benio Vista, of course, Disney, that is which is a division of Disney, Benio Vista Home Entertainment, a division of Disney, they did not have Disney's consent. Because Disney, at the time, had bought and owned Deke Entertainment before it got bought out by other people, you know, down, you know, years later. But they owned it. And Lion Gates did not have any permission, any rights, to um, basically put these, you know, episodes together. You know, they didn't have any rights, you know, to, uh, to do that. You know, to profit off of with the DVD. So that DVD called Supersonic was the only physical media we had of the VH, uh, you know, of the original of the original show, mostly season one for the time being. Now, for me, you know, afterwards, I decided, okay, I I, I got to get you know the rest of season. I got to get you know Sonic on uh, on VHS somehow, right? I got to get on VHS, or I got to have something Sonic wise. So I went online, went to this Canadian store, can't think of the name right now, and I was able to get all three volumes of Sonic Satyam on VHS. You, when they were released originally, and this is when they were re released originally by Deke Toontime Video under the Benuvista Home Video License, or Distributing License. You know, they were released by Deke Toontime Video, again, which was a subsidiary of Benuvista's uh, Home Video uh, a distributing license. So I bought those, and <laughs> what's crazy is I even I even rented them one time. I think I even rented one from Blockbuster when I was living on my own, and I tried to, well, that, it was before I lived on my own, to try to put it on, try to record it on the VHS, and that's when I first found out about copy protection. It's like, yeah, but Disney, you know, no matter what properties they own, they ain't taking no chances. Uh, excuse me. Um, anyway. I bought those, and then I reached out to a fellow fan called Rafaela XD, because I had found out that she had basically ripped um, all the episodes from the pop. I think it was the, I think it was either the pop or the original ABC version, the original ABC uh, versions, um, if you will. But she had ripped all the episodes and put them onto VCD and she was selling them for profit. And this was before, I think a year or two before the uh, complete series was released by Shout Factory. And I said, okay, I want them. I want to have copies of them. And I bought, bought copies from her. And that's how I was always able to make some of my Sonic Satyam fan vids uh, the way I have. Um, but then, then, of course, a couple years later, the uh, DVD, the complete series DVD came out, and I and I was cool with that as well. Uh, <laughs> no matter how you look at it, uh, but anyway, I was able to do that, 
And then even before then, Jay Foxfire, and I think this was right after I moved, or a year or two after I moved, Jay Foxfire had sent me, had done me a favor. She, I, she did something for me, you know, I did something for her, or something, I can't remember what it was. But Jay Foxfire did me a favor, and she, because I was asking around, I was thinking, okay, I looked at the VHS head, uh, the VHS, the original VHS recordings that I had, and I'm thinking, man, I just need to get those final four episodes. So I asked around, and finally I think somebody led me to Jay Foxfire and said that she may have them and, or something, and I talked, and we went back and forth, and she said, oh, yeah, I can send you copies of those. So she sent me a copy, a VHS copy of the, I, I think it was Jay Foxfire, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, if, if she's watching, correct me if I'm wrong. But she sent me an original VHS. Well, not original, but she sent me a copy of all the episodes on, an, on another VHS so I can have them. So I finally, even though they were separate, had both VHSs, which I don't have anymore, unfortunately. But again, that was. But again, in 2007, we won't have to worry about that because I, along with everybody, got the complete series on DVD. And now you might ask, well, how did I do that? Well, at the time, I was working for the Walmart in Lawrence, Kansas as an unloader. And that Walmart in Lawrence, Kansas was 24-7. So one of the most popular times of the week was midnight releases. And I already knew, and I already knew, and I think I showed it before. I think I've shown it before. Uh, I already knew that we were getting Son Sonic Saturday M because as an unloader, you can kind of open the boxes sometimes to see, okay, is it the right item and all that before sealing it back up and putting it in its area. And I was able to look into the box or after it was put into its area, I was able, and it was already open. Okay, let me, let me kind of rephrase that. I was able to see what was in the box after we placed it in its area and somebody had already opened it and I saw that we had Sonic Saturday M. So I told myself, okay, before I get off work, or before I go home, after I get off work, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait for the midnight hour. And I did. That's how I originally got my Transformers 20th Anniversary uh, DVD, or Transformers the Movie 20th Anniversary DVD, back then, along with the Lenthograph, back in 2006. That's how I was able to get it. And that's how I was able to get Sonic Saturday M, through midnight release. And I didn't just get one but I got two. And then I got several other copies for, I think, Jay Foxfire, Raphael XD, some family members like my nephew and my cousins. You know, I was able to get copies for them as well. But for me, I was able to get not one, but two of them. You know, and again, one of them is, un is unopened, still sealed up, and I'm not going to do anything with it unless it's really necessary. But, yeah. That, so yeah, that was pretty cool to get my hands on at that time. Uh, it was also during this time that I discovered that the fan base, you know, was much larger than what it was. Um, and obviously that there were people within the, that had worked on the show themselves, like a Ben Hurst, that wanted to try to get the show going again. And, you know, just to know, and I think I was even able to communicate with Ben Hurst at one time too. You know, I it's part of a Q and A or something, and and I even con I even talked with Brian Ward through email, 
um, as well. When he was doing the whole thing about the fans contributing to the DVD uh, artwork for the for the series. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, but it was during this time in the 2000s and the 2010s, mostly 2000s, that I noticed that the fan base was huge. I'm thinking, man, the fans never really let this die. And I think it was mainly because of the comic being run by Archie. And I think it was at the time as well that the comic... Because the comic basically in the mid to late 90s was taking more... Was really taking on that more serious tone and more of a Satayam-like tone. Uh, especially if you hear from people like uh, Ken Penders, who you like the guy or you don't, who worked on the book at the time. It was a, as well as other people who worked on the book with him, artistically and story-wise, story it was taking on more of a Satyam tone, and I think that's what led to fans wanting to see the series get really revived more so than it ever has, because, hey, if you can have these Satyam-like stories in comic book form, why not try to put them back on, why not try to put it back on visual television form? You know what I'm saying? So, again, it was during this time that I found out that the fan base was bigger than I've ever thought it could be. I mean, probably one of the biggest fan bases out there even to this day. And, you know, it's... And, and I was there. I was there reading all these informations and articles of Ben trying to get, you know, the third season going and looking like at times he was on the verge of doing it and then all of a sudden there would be a roadblock or basically a, like, ain't gonna happen kind of deal or somebody basically, you know, lying to Sega themselves because they wanted to do their own story and, you know, they didn't want Ben to beat them to the punch, you know. It was, you know, I was there reading all that and thinking, man, you know, man, I can't, you know, because there were times I would read the stories and I'm thinking, oh, good, we're close to getting it and then all of a sudden, pfft, wouldn't happen. So, yeah, again, just to know how big that was and the fact that it was Fans United for Sat AM, F-U-S, that helped... You know, analysis in there that helped contribute to the Satyam Complete series being released on DVD. It's it just shows you the the power of any fan base that if they want something, you know, given if they want something to be given a second chance. Sorry about that, but like I said, it just shows you the power of a fan base that. You know, they're able to, you know, make something like that happen. And now you're seeing it even more so with Team Season, you know, trying the heart damnedest to um, get um, the third season out and running, at least the pilot episode, to try to get it potentially sold to a, a higher network or higher streaming service or platform like Netflix or Max or... You know, maybe even Disney, who knows. Or, heck, maybe they'll just put it on YouTube. I mean, you look you, you look at Hell of a Boss by Hat, by, uh, Viz, by uh, Pop, And, you know, yeah, Has Been Hotel has been picked up by A24. And it's going to probably be put on a streaming network that they're connected with. But Hell of a Boss, you know, just like Has Been at one point, is mostly fan-funded. And because it's fan-funded, you know, you get the new episodes, you know, whenever you could. Mainly, it seem, seemingly and mainly on a monthly basis. 
So that might be the direction season uh, team season goes, where they just, you know, if they can't get a streaming platform to do it, they'll just say, hey, we're just going to keep getting, you know, getting help from the fans and financially to just produce and release all the episodes on YouTube like Hell of a Boss. And that might be the direction they go. Just my opinion. Um, but yeah, it just shows you the power of the fan, fan, this fan base, like any fan base, that if you want something back or you want something to have a second chance, you know, you got to let it be known. You got to show it. You got to be like, hey, we want this. We want this. And we know we're not the only ones. We know that people that probably worked on the show want this to be given another opportunity or something. Or something to, something to that matter. I mean, Archie Sonic's pretty much being continued through Archie Sonic Online. And they're doing it through various different ways. Like, they're dedicating a whole Knuckles webcomic to endangered species and how, you know, based on ideas they've heard where it could have gone, they're doing the same with the main comic, they're doing something with, but they're doing, you know, uh, something with Bunny Rabbot's story, which, which could have been explored originally, but wasn't, you know, so it's the, you know, so the fans are not giving up, the fans are still, you know, but like, like I said, guys, getting back to what I was saying, you know, it's just, you know, it's just an example of, like, you know, the power of any kind of fan base out there that wants something uh, back, you know, given a second opportunity. And even along with those that worked on said property, feeling the same way, because there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential still left to, you know, be realized, in my opinion. And again, all the examples I gave you of how it's done here with Sonic Sat AM is just, just amazing. It really is. I mean, heck, I mean, let's be honest. You have fans out there, you know, including myself on occasions, but fans out there that will write, draw, and animate, let's say, more adult, risque, triple X Sonic-related material based in a Satayam uh, universe or a hybrid of the Satayam RT universe or basically, you know, uh, you know, based in a you know, a hybrid, uh, amalgamation like universe of all the universes. You know, where characters are literally getting it on with each other, and more so tales with, and more so that being of tales. You know, be you know, getting it on with a lot of the women, if you know what I mean. But um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, again, it just shows you the the dedication that fans have that want to see these characters continue existing, even if it's a little bit more risque than than they would normally plan um but yeah the the fan base is but the fan base for this is just i think one of the strongest i've ever seen and been part of you know they want to see this given a second chance and is they're going through various avenues to make it happen you know they are I mean, yesterday you look at you look down here at the bottom. Uh, Satam Astorian or Groovy Old Jake, if you will, on YouTube. Um, he he did a his original plan for the thirtieth anniversary was to do a two was to release a full two hour documentary video documentary called uh, Ben's Vision. 
kind of a visual representation of what he was also going to be talking about in the book. Because, yes, this shows you how much the fan base, you know, is connected. Because you have people like myself and others that have helped contribute to said book. Where it's basically the complete history and guide to Sonic Satayam. And he wants to get this book out, from what I can tell, at least by next year or at least by the beginning of 2025. That's what I'm assuming. He wants to get this book out. But until then, he wants to give us more of an idea, more of a visual representation, you know, of what's to come. And he's done that with various little snippets, you know, here and there, talking about ideas, you know, for potential spinoffs, you know, that they would have done, you know, based around Sonic, like Sonic Sisters and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just like, you know... It's just like, wow, you, you see this and you see how dedicated the fan base is. And the fan base, and that dedication shows with this. Now, originally, like I said, this was supposed to be two hours, but due to behind-the-scenes technical difficulties and probably some personal life issues, he's had to hold back. So what he did instead is he gave us the first six parts of this, what he calls Ben's vision, to kind of give us an idea, kind of whet our appetite for what's to come, and then at the end of it, he showed us an idea, or gave us pretty much a sneak peek and glimpse as to what the rest of the documentary, you know, is going to be like. So, so yeah, and, and he's got people contributing to that um, as well. He's got people contributing to that with storyboards, you know, based on some of the concepts Ben Hurst uh, wanted to go, you know, wanted to bring bring to the table. Including, you know, talking about Nicole's origins, like how she came to be, and all that in the Satyam universe. You know, and, and other stuff um, as well. But it's not just, you know, it's not just them either. You know, it's not just them either. You, you have a whole fan, you have a whole fan base of collaborated artists out there. That for over the past year or two, we're working together to bring what they called Sonic the Hedgehog Rejuiced. Or Sonic Satyam Rejuiced. And what that was is that they decided to pick one episode from the entire show, which was Sonic Racer, to do their uh, reanimated, or basically give their, their, their shot at doing a reanimated you know, take on it. Like we see all these reanimations, short or full length or whatever, of certain iconic shows, characters, and all that, and, you know, and you see all these different animation styles blended together. Here, they decided they're going to take, like I said, the episode Sonic Racer from season one, and go in that direction because I guess it presented more of a visual, you know, idea, more of a visual challenge for them to, you know, replicate and change into their own style. And I'll say this right now: if you've not seen it, you have to see it. It's just so unique to see all the different animations and the little easter eggs they put in said animations and stuff it's it's really cool it's really just really really way past cool as sonic would say um you know when it comes to uh when it comes to reduced but the same could be said of course like i said for this down here um as well and again going back to team season you see what they're doing and it's I mean, the fact that they, they have gone as far as to become a member of a Canadian board of society that will allow them to continue working on the product, uh, working on the project, I should say, 
you know, with the fan support financially as well as some other financial way uh, support as well, from what I'm understanding, it's just a blessing in disguise. It's just a huge, huge blessing um, in disguise, and and that's the truth. That's the truth. So. So yeah, but, but now, like I said, looking back on it, there's no doubt that this show may made a huge impact on everybody. It was just unfortunately put into a situation to where, depending on where you lived, it got tossed around because ABC would have college football or the wild cards, the wild card game for the NFL or whatever. You know, it would just get tossed around, tossed around, tossed around. And then, of course, when it finally did get a good, proper, um, you know, time slot to be in, it got in, it got put up against the Power Rangers. You know, so that didn't, you know, that didn't really help it out, you know, any, any much. Or, you know, it didn't help it out, you know, greatly, put it that way. And drink some Pepsi there. But I've always had... But here's the thing, too. And it'll be the last thing I say before I close this down because my mom's home now, so I don't want to be interrupted. Um, you know, I, I will say this. You know, I will say this. Um, I, I've always had this belief, and I mentioned this in a video... I've always had this belief. Now, I don't know if Jacob, or Jake, if you will, Satyam historian, will, um, you know, will bring this up in the do in the video documentary next week when he does the full, when he presents the full uncut two-hour presentation. Or if he even mentioned in the book. But I've always had this feeling that the show was being shopped around to be continued on another network after ABC took it off. Because Ben Hurst said he heard the saying, he just never heard anybody say it of, you know, when the new folks, you know, mainly Disney people, or Disney-related people took over, that one of the things they said was percolate down new broom sweep clean. You know, so, even though he didn't hear somebody say it, he, you know, heard it being, he heard it being talked about or mentioned. And, um, you know, to me, I think what this also meant was, you know, what this also meant was, you know, Deke Entertainment was now going to be looking for new homes for these, some, some of these shows. You know, it wasn't just Deke Entertainment either, it was others. They were going through something similar. So they were looking for new homes. And I think, honestly, this is just, again, my honest opinion, I think... I think Deke Entertainment and even Sega to an extent were trying to shop Satayam, in my opinion. I have no proof of this. But in my opinion, I think they were trying to shop Sonic Satayam over to other networks. Like, even like going as far as to probably have it be put on Fox, right? You know, back to back with Power Rangers or, or back to back with X Men or whatever. Or try to shop it too. I think, well. I think the WB was starting out at that time, wasn't it? WB was starting out, I'm not really sure. Try to shop it out to them. Or even shop it out to Cartoon Network. It was just, you know, I was I think I was only like three years into existence, so that could have been something. 
um, Nickelodeon, I think, was even considered to be shopped around as well. You know, not just for, you know, a mo for the third season to continue, but for maybe a feature film and being a distributor or the backer behind it. Um, but I've always had this belief that I think one of the top areas they wanted to, they wanted to, um, you know, uh, one of the top areas, one of the top networks I think they wanted to get the show on was CBS. I think, honestly, in my opinion, they probably shopped it around. I think, my, my honest opinion, I think CBS was the first one, and they saw a golden opportunity in front of them. CBS, in 94, when the second season had come out on ABC, had launched this new block, you know, consisting of action-related shows that were a little bit more darker in tone than what you were used to. They had still had some comedic flair here and there, but... Um, but it was mostly action, adventure, and kind of dark and dark in its storyline and tone, like I said, with a little bit, like I said, hum humor, humor, humorous comedicness, you know, you know, sprinkled in. Those shows, of course, were the new, was the eighth season. The eighth season of Teenage, I think it was the eighth season, I believe. Eighth season. Yeah, it was the eighth season of TMNT, which would be known as the Red Sky Seasons for the for that season, season nine and season ten, be known as the Red Sky Seasons. Um, it and it had definitely a darker tone to it, more mature tone to it. Uh, Jim Lee's Wildcats, and Skeleton Warriors, and you can definitely tell there were dark tones in there as well. Like I said, with a little bit of comedicness sprinkled in. So, in my opinion, I think they saw that hey, this is a going you know, in my opinion, I think, you know, they went to CBS first after pretty much they found out, hey, the show's going to be canceled, along with some other properties. They probably went to CBS first and said, hey, you know, we, we want to, and, and they probably brought up the action. In my opinion, this is what I think what happened, this is what I think what happened. You know, they started shopping around. They had a list of potential people to, you know, sell the show to, to get it aired, maybe get the third season aired. And CBS was at the top of the list. And they probably looked at the strengths and weaknesses of it. You know, of that potential uh, reality happening. And one of the strengths they saw was, hey, it's got this new block called the Action Zone. That would be perfect. Fits, you know, that would be perfect for Sonic's AM. Fits right in. I mean, can you imagine that Action Zone thing, that, that bumper before the show starts saying, entering the Action Zone. Scanning for Sonic the Hedgehog. Locked access now. I mean, it just has a ring to it, in my opinion. It just has a ring to it, in my opinion. And I think, honestly, honestly, CBS was the top priority with the Action Zone being, you know, a potential selling block for them to get the show on the network for Saturday mornings. But, again, I have no proof of that. I don't think anybody else had any proof of that. But it's just, it's just always been a strong feeling I've had for a long time that I think CBS would have been the new home for the show, you know, um, had, you know, things worked out in its favor. And I think the Action Zone block was a perfect fit, would have been a perfect fit for Sonic's at AM, uh, no doubt. And then, of course, you had Fox, who I think probably considered it, but probably didn't want to invest too much into it and maybe didn't want to take away from Power Rangers or X-Men because maybe they saw, hey, this show can steal away the vibes. 
and Kids WB, which was just starting out, probably wanted to focus more on the WB properties than anything else. So, in Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, they pretty much were filled up, I guess, to the brim with stuff that they already had. So, unfortunately, it was US, it was straight to USA Network, on, you know, and the butchering that occurred there in the eyes of many fans. But, but yeah, in closing, I've always had this feeling CBS would have been the new home for Sonic at AM had things gone in the right direction. Again, I have no proof of it. I have no proof of it. But I, I just always had this feeling. And especially, again, when you look at the fact that they had the action zone, it to me, that would have been the perfect selling point. And it probably was a good selling pitch that they may have tried to give or considered giving to get the show on there. But again, that's just my opinion. I have no proof of that. But you never know. You know, you never know. You know, maybe we'll find out more in the full documentary or in the book when it comes out, or maybe somebody before that, maybe someone before the book comes out comes out and says, "Hey, yeah, this did happen," and here's evidence of it. But we'll have to see. We'll have to just wait and see. But I've always had this. I've always had that belief, in my opinion, as a fan, that that was the direction they were going to go in. I really do. Uh, again, I just can't shake that, you know. But anyway, though, guys, I just wanted to come on here and, you know, contribute, you know, my thoughts as a fan to, you know, the 30th anniversary of Sonic's at AM. I'm happy that the fan base and the love for the show and the characters are still going strong even to this day. And I'm looking forward to the full two-hour documentary, Ben's Vision, next week. I like the first half, the first six parts. I can't wait for the next, for the next ones. You know, I can't wait for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I highly recommend checking out Rejuiced. I think you'll really enjoy that. And uh, support Team Season. Get Help them financially get this thing going um, off the ground a lot faster than what it is. And, really, that's all I can say. That's all I can really say, guys. But, uh, thank you all for watching and listening. And you can you will get a version of this at BW Roses Discussions Podcast. You know, all your favorite audio and video podcast locations except for Pandora, but more specifically check it out on Spotify. You will definitely you'll definitely be helping me out there if you do. But yeah guys, I just wanted to talk about that, bring that all up. Uh, kind of like I said, re talk about my, my history and the fan, how I came to watch the show and, and get to know the characters. Um, as well as give my thoughts on things that I've always had a feeling about but never could really prove whether or not they're real and maybe we will get that proof down the line who knows uh, but let me know what your thoughts are guys and I'd just love to hear from each and every one of you hey, did you always have the feeling that CBS might have been the new home for Sonic's at AM? let me know uh, and until next time guys I will talk to y'all later